We want to welcome Christy Caruso to the Co-Movement Gym Podcast. Christy has been leading yoga and meditation classes in Central New York area for over 20 years. The philosophies, deeper dimensions, and real-world applications of a steady, contemplative practice remains at the heart of her offerings. Her style welcomes participants to slow down, release physical and mental strain, and tap into the infinite resources and power within. In our current state of affairs filled with chaos, stress, and conflict, we couldn't be more excited to be chatting with Christy. I want to take a moment and thank our show sponsors, Lombardi Chiropractic, Sutmeyer Law Firm, and Native Path Supplements. These are companies we personally use and trust. Mention the Co-Movement Gym Podcast when you call Lombardi Chiropractic or Sutmeyer Law Firm. And not only will they treat you like family, they will provide a nice, enticing discount to all listeners. And use code COMO15, that's C-O-M-O-15 at checkout when shopping at nativepath.com and receive 15% off all of your orders. Your support to our show sponsors assists in us paying for expenses and continuing to provide content we hope you all enjoy. So you just, you just got my next one for me. Good, <laughs> Beautiful transition. So we, we've talked all about um, all, all this stuff so far, and maybe people are getting interested in like, well, how, where do I begin? And uh-huh. I, I guess probably the best tool is meditation, um, or that's like the, the starting point for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. How do you use meditation with people with yourself or with others? How would you get someone who wants to who wants to start learning about the stuff we've been talking about so far? Mm-hmm. Um, how would you get them started with meditation? What are your, well, there? um, I would say that go, go into it with a certain amount of flexibility Okay. Yep. because as much as I appreciate, you know, structure and discipline and, you know, I think that the way that we're living our lives, it's, it's harder now to say, you know, well, if someone said, well, I want to meditate an hour a day. It's like, well, what is, what do your days look like? You know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think I mentioned in the last podcast that I did with you guys, that there was a study that eight weeks of five minutes a day changed the gray matter in people's brains. Like, I don't think it takes that much to affect your biology. And when your biology shifts, you know, you're, you know, I've I've always, I don't use the word hate. I don't like that word very much. I've always really disliked. Except when you're describing why you don't like Uh, it. When people (laughs) say like, come to yoga and and, and make the mind-body connection. It's like, no, it's always connected. You're disconnected from the perception that it's one thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can just soothe your nervous system through five minutes of just sitting Mm -hmm. with yourself, that in turn is, is, going to change the chemical makeup in your bloodstream, which is going to change, you know, everything is connected. So if someone wanted to start meditation, my advice would be five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, get, a, that's a challenge right off the bat. Get yourself comfortable. You don't have to sit in Lotus on the floor and have a perfectly, you know, if that's what you want to try, that's great. Yep. Um, if your body feels like it's a, a good vessel and container for you to sit like that. Awesome. But you know, <laughs> you can meditate just sitting the way I'm sitting right now, you know? Right. So, just somewhere I, comfortable. so I, I try to encourage a certain amount of like flexibility as opposed to a very strict stringent, because I've, 
I've trained in, in multiple different types of meditation mm-hmm. and they're all different. So it's like, yeah. well, you're not a nun. You're saying this. So like, maybe there isn't one right way, right? Maybe there's all these different techniques and it's up to me to find the one that seems to resonate the most. So if, if someone's never meditated before and they don't even really know what it is, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to find a comfortable chair and mm-hmm. whatever. What should they be focusing on? What should they be paying attention to? What, what's, what's their, they're sitting there like, what is the goal of this? Am I just supposed to sit quietly? Like why? And then they're, so, they're, they're thinking to themselves, oh, what am I doing here? Yeah, why am I sitting here? That's the way the mind works, the yep. human brain works. So I'd say that the easiest, simplest definition of meditation is sitting with what is. Okay. Whatever that is. I agree. Whatever yep. arises, you're just sitting with what is, and yep. you you remain the neutral, unbiased, calm witness. You're the sky. Yep. Everything else is just passing through. So, you know, our breath is always there. It's the most reliable anchor. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not breathing, you don't have to worry about any of this stuff because you've entered the cosmos. <laughs> as long as you're here and you've got a vessel. If you stop breathing, you, you're you are already re- one with everything. So it's always available. It's yep. never not available. So that's why a lot of traditions use the breath as an anchor for meditation um, because it's there and it has qualities and it's always changing. Mm-hmm. Um but it's always there. So like in mindfulness meditation, they focus on the edge of the nostrils Okay, just because there's a, there's a little bit of sensation there and it's a little cooler coming in and it's warmer going out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, focusing on the edge of the nostrils and when you notice, again, this is mindfulness meditation. When you notice that you're not at the edge of the nostrils, that your mind has gone somewhere else, which it will. So friendliness, non-judgmental, you know, you you can't beat yourself up. That's really important Mm -hmm. is because the nature of the mind is to wander. So you kind of have to go into it thinking like, all right, my mind's going to sneak away. Our job is just to be awake to it. So, you know, you sit, you get comfortable, maybe take a few really deep breaths just to sort of reset your nervous system, let your nervous system know that there's a a general all rightness, Mm -hmm. you know, that like, I'm okay. There's no threat. There's no lions coming after me. I can relax my jaw and my shoulders and let myself sort of sink into whatever support I'm allowing myself to be in and then find the breath. Oh, there it is. Mm -hmm. Edge of the nostrils. Ordinary breath doesn't have to be big, just regular, natural breathing, edge of the nostrils, edge of the nostrils. Oh, what am I going to have for lunch today? (laughs) Oh my God. I'm thinking about lunch. That's a moment of awakening. I'm awake. Come back to the nostrils. And that's what you do over and over and over. Because we're so trapped in these thoughts that constantly run through our minds. And often we just follow them wherever they want to go. And we're in this thought and then we're in this thought and then we're in this thought and we forget all about the present moment. So you're saying we're going to sit and just kind of pay attention to whatever arises, whatever sensations whatever it is. happen. It could be anything. But when we, when a thought arises and maybe we do get captured by it for a second, what am I going to have for lunch? When you notice that you notice that like, Oh, there's a thought. And then you can kind of like bring yourself back to center. That's kind of like you started the process of 
awakening or at least noticing that, oh, I don't have to be carried away by my That thoughts. is a moment of awakening. And that's something that I think a lot of people, they're like, I can't shut my minds off. I can't shut my minds off. I'm like, Who told you to shut your mind off? <laughs> you're never going to shut your mind off. When is that going to happen? It's like, no, it's realizing that you're not a victim of your own stream of consciousness, mm-hmm. that you can actually take agency and choose your point of attention. Mm-hmm. So what we do in yoga, what we do in meditation is we are flexing the muscle of attention yes. so that we can choose moment to moment what we want to focus on. Yeah. And so I think people feel very much a victim of what's going on in their minds, but it's like, have you really tried to be friendly towards your mind mm-hmm. and, and kind of get a sense of where it tends to go? And then again, this idea that like, I can't keep my, my mind on my nostrils. It just keeps leaving. I'm like, but you recognize you that, it that that's awakening. Yep. That's actually a good thing. Yep. If you spent the entire, let's say you said 20 minutes, I'm going to meditate. And for that whole 20 minutes, your timer goes off and you realize, oh my gosh, I've just been thinking this whole time. I never even went to my nose. Oh, well, that's you. Yeah. Oh, oh well, you know, like that was your practice today, yeah. you know, but like, if you can wake up to the fact that your mind has gone somewhere else, you are actually, that's a flex. Yes. That's, that's what we're trying to do is get to the point where when you're not on a meditation cushion, when you're not on a yoga mat, that you are, you have agency over your own stream of consciousness to some extent. What am I going to choose to pay attention to? Not what I'm being pulled towards, not, you know, like in Buddhism, they call them some scars, you know, the grooves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we dig in. Those habitual patterns. Yeah. So, you know, essentially we're trying to, you know, move out of, do away with those samskaras so that we don't have these grooves that we get caught up in and we can just actually experience things as they're happening. Because it's so easy when we've, we've all done it, when something, say something bad happens in your day, quote unquote bad, mm-hmm. um, then you just ruminate on it for hours afterwards. Yeah, you repeat it. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, you know what, that bad thing might've been, you know, someone flipping you off in traffic. It lasted one second but you've managed to make yourself suffer for five hours by just thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. But if you can get a little better with bringing your attention to being able to notice that, being able to notice that you're doing that, then you can say, you can stop doing it. You can say, I don't need to be engaged with that. It's like, it's like tension, you know, like you have a choice every moment of the day of whether you're going to feel at ease in your body Mm -hmm. or if you're going to feel tension. That's mm-hmm. a choice and you only you make it. No one else can make it for you. Mm-hmm. And so it's like in yoga, trying to wake up and be conscious of, oh, I'm gritting my teeth or I'm doing this with my hands or my abdomen is, is unconsciously tight for no reason. You know, I, I think it's Thich Nhat Hanh says, um, you know, a, a peaceful mind begins with a relaxed body. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and again, these things are not disconnected. So if you're sitting there like a clenched fist, chances are your mind's just going. Yeah. Yeah. But then if you can like relax your shoulders, relax your tongue, you know, maybe, you know, brighten your central channel and like, just come into your body a little bit, you're already diverting your mental energy away from the stuff that was kind of bogging you down because you're in the body. So that's, that's why yoga and meditation, you don't, there's not really much of a a separation between them. You know, there's formal meditation, but it's, it's essentially like, let me take my mind, which is always somewhere. Your mind is always somewhere. So put it somewhere in the body and just let it rest there. Let your mind just rest with the direct sensations of what's happening. So mm-hmm. someone new to meditation, if they don't want to do like, you know, something lofty, like a luminous mind meditation, it's like, just pay attention 
to what's actually happening and arising in the body. And it might be a burp. It might be a pain in your knee. But going back to the non-duality, it's like, it's just, that's just what it is. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's just there. Yep. It's okay. (laughs) It's just there. Just like some of our thoughts, but some of our thoughts are so damaging, Mm -hmm. so incredibly damaging to our life. Most people would not speak to another person the way they speak to themselves in their own head. This is why meditation, you know, is so important because we have to get to know our own minds. Mm -hmm. Like, how can you... How can you expect to truly operate at your best and at your highest when you don't even know yourself? Well, if 99% of our suffering is all mental for the most <laughs> part, which it pretty much is, yeah. then shouldn't we get to know how the you know, get to know the mind a little bit so that we can maybe find a way That's around kind that of suffering? The idea, but yeah. I I think a lot of people are very hesitant to do that because yeah. once they get in there yeah, and they scary. see what's really in there, it's like, there's, Oh there's my gosh, mess. I don't want to even go near it. Um, which is why I think that we should be promoting this for younger people that, you know, start your life mm-hmm. with this embedded in like knowing that it's important for you to know yourself, mm-hmm. to really know yourself um, to the to the best of our ability, but like I, well, I think to that point, I think Sadhguru mentioned that in India, um, and there's a lot of people in India, so maybe this is just certain areas, but a lot of times they won't start educating a child until they've taken uh, cosmic identity, you know, mm. like because that comes first. That's amazing, <laughs> yeah, that, that comes first, and they they basically That's with amazing. with a child they do it by like having them repeat certain mantras about mm-hmm. how I am that tree and I am the sky and yeah. I am the whatever you know whatever. Um, but they work on that first before they go into like education, like the typical school history, system and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Well, I applaud that yeah. because I really think that we could, we skip it... that step to our detriment. In, <laughs> Not in only do we skip that step, but I mean, we never you know, go back to it. Most of most people, <laughs> I, I was raised, you know, in a organized religion that you know, talked about some of these things, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like Catholicism, you know, they talked about like kindness and respecting your elder and, but it was also like guilt and we're watching you. And like, Mm -hmm. it's like, what, this is like, what? So not only do we skip that step, but we almost kind of uh, demonize it in a way or discourage it sometimes. Well, and now, you know, with handheld devices and, you know, there's like, (laughs) Like, when are we ever just with ourselves? Like I just traveled this past weekend and it's like, I set an intention and I'm not, I'm not huge with my phone. I don't have like a laptop that I'm working on, you know, when I'm Mm -hmm. traveling, it's like, I sit there and people watch and I, you know, kind of fingers crossed that some stranger wants to have a conversation with me because I love talking to strangers, (laughs) but it's like everyone can't even just sit with themselves. There's like this increasing, like, underlying like uncomfortableness of just being alive that I can't, that people can't exist without reaching for something that's going to distract them from what they might be just directly experiencing either outwardly through their senses or inwardly. Yeah. Most people are not living uh, in the present moment. And I mean, I'll, I'll include myself in this or I'm Oh, for the record, I'm not an enlightened uh, being. Um, (laughs) Nor am I. (laughs) But no, I mean, most people are living in progress. Yeah, most people are living in, uh, 
you know, the, the past, like thinking about what happened yesterday and all this kind of stuff, ruminating yeah. and stuff, or in the future, what do I got to do later? And what I got, but totally missing the present moment. Like you said, they're, they're not right here right now, and missing the sensations and the, yeah. I mean, the only life we have is right now, you know, the, the past is gone. The future doesn't exist yet. Like reality present is right moment now. Awareness is a huge part of yoga and meditation is like, can you learn to tune your instrument mm-hmm. to be present? And, and, but not only present, but not crawling out of your skin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because the ego is going to want to pull you into the past yeah, and the future. Just to be comfortable and recognize not only the all rightness or the okayness of that moment, but that there's actually like miracles everywhere. If that's the, if, if those are the goggles you're wearing, that's mm-hmm. what you're going to see and perceive. Yep, yep. And, and present moment awareness is, is huge because, you know, anxiety as a disorder at the heart of it, it's worrying about things that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is what anxiety is. It yeah. is. Stress sound about And, and depression is worry is upset about things in the past that have already happened yep. for the most part. I mean, you can feel depressed, I guess, contemplating your future as well. But in general, I, I've sort of heard it explained that way. And that made a lot of sense. It's like, yeah, anxiety is simply... I don't know what's going to happen and I'm, I'm nervous or afraid about it. Mm-hmm. So if you can train yourself to be aware of just what's happening here, sitting with what is, it's so much more comfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> and so much less, uh, you know, and we know anxiety and depression, it's not just a mental disorder. The body is connected to all of that. And so it's your whole organism that is going to be um, harmed and impacted by living in an anxious state all the time. I like, uh, you know, you brought up children and how you wish that um, we kind of, you know, taught this stuff to kids earlier on, mm-hmm. uh, which I agree with. I, I had um, a thought a while back that enlightenment is kind of like a, a child's mind. You know, a, a newborn baby has no concept of anything around it has no words, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, they're just, and you see this in like little children too. They're, they're totally, they're bursting with joy yeah. at, at all times. And yeah. that's why it feels so good to be around a little kid because you kind of get that energy yourself and they bring you into the present moment. Yeah. The kids are just bursting with joy. They have no, they don't have like a strong concept of self or identity. There's no yet. self-consciousness. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and so you can see how much joy they have. Yeah. And um, like Sadhguru says, you know, when you were four years old, five years old, you were bursting with joy. And now here you are 40 years old, 50 years old. And oh, life is so difficult and stress and struggle. He goes, clearly you've done something wrong. You know, you started out joyous. We should just be getting more joyous and experiencing more bliss as we go. But unfortunately go in the wrong direction. And um, I think that's because like, you know, the the child, you really are born in in kind of that enlightened state, maybe as an infant, you know? Yeah. Um, but then we, we start to build up an identity and, oh, this is mine and that's mine. And I am this and I'm that and you are that. All this conditioning, this mental programming and this identity builds up. And then we find ourselves stuck. You know, I'm 40 years old now Mm -hmm. trying to figure out my way back to my child mind. This is why (laughs) I try to act like a goofball kid. Like, I I really think that you're, that's, you're onto something very big there that Mm. children, you know, they don't have you know, in general, I'm sure there's children who have gone through 
experiences that they may not fall into this category, but they don't have a past to be depressed about. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, they don't really understand the word, like a four-year-old doesn't understand like 401ks and, right. you know, like all the complications of being an adult who thinks they have to do all these things to be an adult. <laughs> um, yeah. Childlike energy is something that I think more grownups should try to tap into and, you know, but again, we're, we're, we're afraid that we're going to look stupid or we're going to look silly or people are going to think like, what's wrong with them? You know, and it's like, well, why do you care what other people yeah. think? Like bring, I, I try to bring a childlike energy into everything. Yes. In my life. Awesome. I don't want to grow up. Yep. I've really tried. Very well, you hard. make me feel better about being a big four year old oh kid my myself. Gosh. <laughs> I just think that growing up is like it, it, it it's in some ways detrimental to a human soul that, that children yeah. really are a, a beautiful expression of what could be mm -hmm. if we weren't conditioned, programmed, pressured, yeah. um, you know, made to feel self-conscious because yeah, I, re I remember I went to Catholic school and then I moved to um, a public school and I had been wearing uniforms. So every morning I didn't have to think, what should I wear? What am I going to look like? How do I want to express myself? And then I got to public school and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I have to think about this. Mm -hmm. And there was kids like wearing expensive stuff and my family didn't have money to buy expensive stuff. And like, I can really connect the beginning of feeling self-conscious mm -hmm. to that transition yep. okay. where all of a sudden I actually had to like identify myself in some way and express myself. And I didn't really know how, and I didn't really have the means mm -hmm. Um, I remember stealing my sister's clothes and like cutting her shoulder pads out and then realizing I had holes in the shirt because I did it wrong. And like, <laughs> it was like, all of a sudden I had to think about this stuff and started to question, like, am I good enough? Am I, it's just, I mean, it's maybe it's universal, you know, and I'm not advocating for uniforms. That's not what I'm saying. It was just my experience that I can connect a, a, a certain transition to starting to really wonder about my own value mm -hmm. and kids don't a four-year-old's not sitting there wondering what their value is in the world That's they are why. just living just life. living in the moment yeah yep. living in the moment they're 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 fun to that's probably why it would be easier to teach this to kids too than it is to adults is because we're so blocked by all the conditioning yeah. of our lives. Less to slough off. Yeah. I imagine teaching yet. this to four-year-olds and five-year-olds before they go into education is they're probably like, yeah, of course. <laughs> yep. That's how I already see the world. Yeah. I'm one with everything. The present I, moment is all there is. I know it's, it's definitely <laughs> increased in the last couple of decades. And I even know people that like tried to bring, you know, like regular yoga into elementary schools and, uh, it, it seemed like the funding wasn't really there. You know, the interest was, it depended on what, what school and whether the, the person running that school was privy to, oh, this might be really good for the kids. Mm -hmm. um, I'd, I'd love to see more of it. Not necessarily, because I know there was like a big stink about like bringing yoga into schools and some people saying, well, it's religious and mm. it violates, you know, separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you don't, have to use Sanskrit words. We're right. talking about getting kids to close their eyes, relax their bodies, and just feel. Yep. Give themselves permission to just feel what's going on. 
but to also remind them from a very young age how powerful they are. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's another reason that sets people into the spiral of devaluing themselves and having self-esteem issues and not believing in all these limited mindsets is because they have no idea how powerful they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. So if everyone really knew how much agency they actually had over their mind, their body, their, their, their energy, their spirit, um, it's, it's empowering. It's uplifting to know that I'm not just a victim of all this BS going on around me. To start your life with that, that mindset already. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just go into your teenage years. Like I am, you know, I am powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and I can regulate my nervous system. You know, if I feel, if I do feel myself get worked up, I know what to do to bring myself back to homeostasis. So we, um, you gave me another nice little transition there. So Good. maybe I'll, uh, <laughs> can we just touch on religion for a moment? Sure. Cause a lot of people listening might also be, um, around here, mostly Christian, yeah. um, but possibly other religions as well. Mm-hmm. How are Buddhism and yoga possibly different from religion or what do you see as like um yeah what's your take on religion and how these things we've been talking about um fit into all of that that's a great question and i think there's actually a really clear answer and that is that yoga and buddhism look at themselves as like sciences more than religions like buddha was just a guy Mm -hmm. Just yeah, not, nothing, not a divinity, nothing, yep. no divinity whatsoever. Yep. He was like a spoiled prince. Yep. And he just said, this can't be all there is. Mm-hmm. And he left his, he snuck out and he saw death and sickness, which he had been sheltered from and realized what, what Whoa, is there's this? a lot of suffering in the world. So yeah. he was just a guy, yep. you know, that came to, a, you know, a, sort of a spiritual understanding. And I, I, I do think that we can separate to some extent spirituality and religion mm-hmm. And yoga, again, it's looked upon as a science. Yeah. It's looked upon as these, these are all the techniques that you can do to clear your vessel to experience infinite consciousness. And, and by science, um, the way I look at that is uh, in these practices or traditions, you're encouraged to explore and experiment and verify what we've been saying yeah, for yourself. Absolutely. You're, it's not um, a, a dogma that's handed to you and, you know, here's the truth. Just believe this. It's more like, um, here, here are some ways to get to this Try understanding this, we have. Give see it a what shot. happens. Let's see how you exactly. perceive reality after you've experienced it. And yep. to me, that was one of the biggest selling points so much. And I'm not me a Buddhist, too. but Same. with Buddhism, it's like, don't listen. doesn't matter what the guru says. doesn't matter what the scriptures or the books say. Mm-hmm. The only teacher is direct experience. Unless you go through it yourself, you, you can't fully grasp it. And then with yoga... And I, and I mean it, you know, like Ayurveda is like the sister science to yoga and that's very like nutrition based and, you know, keeping your vessel clean and pure. And, um, but even outside of Ayurveda, you know, yoga has, you know, the cleaning of the the nasal Mm -hmm. passages and, you know, they used to swallow yards of cloth into their stomach and pull it back out to like clean, clean out the, So people aren't doing that, but again, it's a series of techniques Mm -hmm. that you yourself do so that you can experience the results. And then from there you decide, you know, what am I going to do with that? But it's the the only real blind faith perhaps with these uh, philosophies or sciences is that 
like again, this idea that we're we're energy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that we're not as solid as we think we are, and that you know we have. You know, but again, science has confirmed an electromagnetic field around the body. Even even there, I wouldn't say that it's so much blind faith because they they can tell you, you know, there's this thing enlightenment and we can't really put words to it or anything. But, Mm -hmm. you know, trust me, it's there at the end of all this Mm -hmm. or whatever, or it's already within you. You just need to uncover it. Yeah, Yeah, it's not a destination. It's already there. We just need to see it, um, reveal it. Yeah. Um, So maybe it can feel like blind faith there, but you're still told to just don't, don't believe us that it's there. Try these things yeah. out, explore for yourself. And you might verify that for yourself. Go do it might not. and verify it for yourself is essentially what it is. I mean, yeah. but it also, you know, I, I do believe in repetition. I do believe in practice. I do believe that that's how we change our brain. That's mm-hmm. how the brain works is that, you know, anything you are, what you repeat. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so if you repeat yoga every day, um, you know, you're going to reap the benefits of, of that repetition. If you meditate every day, you're going to reap the benefits. And there's, you know, there's the short-term benefits, like right away you benefit and, 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 you know, ABCD. And then there's what you accrue. There's, you know, the long-term benefits. And so, you know, with both of these practices, it's like our culture wants immediate results. <laughs> It's like, no, no, it doesn't work that way. Sorry. Like you, you do need to let these things kind of infiltrate and you do need to practice and you do, you know, it's like so easy for people to grasp. Like if you just keep doing this, your bicep is going to get bigger. Right. But it's harder to grasp. Like, you know, if, if you keep practicing present moment awareness, you, you might actually find yourself more engaged in life yep. as it's, as it's happening in front of you, it, it, it does, it's, it's not as tangible. Sure. So I think people struggle with something that's not as tangible. I myself. Like, oh, me too. Yeah. It's, it's a <laughs> I const- don't need to see it's it. It's a constant struggle. <laughs> um, on the topic of religion, yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've often kind of had the thought that um, a lot of the various religions in the world are all kind of sometimes pointing to the same truth in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there is only one reality and one only one fundamental truth to reality. And mm-hmm. if, if every religion is exploring reality and the big questions, where do we come from? What mm-hmm. is it? You know, what, what's the meaning behind all of it? They're all looking at the same thing. They're just maybe coming at it from different angles mm-hmm. and expressing it in different language, stories. depending on the culture and different yeah. stories. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's a, I don't know if you've heard of, um, uh, there's like a, maybe it's not a fable, but there's like the, the story of the the blind men touching the elephant. Have you oh, ever yeah, heard yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like uh, there's there's four or five blind men and they've never seen an elephant. Obviously they're blind. They've, uh-huh. never, they've never experienced an elephant, but they all go up and they all touch the elephant, but they're all touching different places. So mm-hmm. the guy that's standing by the side of the elephant says, oh, the elephant is like a wall. Mm-hmm. And the guy that's standing by the uh, the tail of the, of the elephant says, oh, the elephant is like a rope. And the guy standing by the tusk says mm-hmm. the elephant is like a spear and mm-hmm. so on. So they're all touching the same thing, but because they're in different places, they just have a different perspective on what yeah. it is. And I kind of almost think that like a lot of the different religions are kind of like that. They're all yeah. getting to the same truth, but they're expressing it differently because they're coming from different perspectives. Absolutely. I mean, I think any real in-depth exploration of a variety of religions and you are going to absolutely see common things that connect them. And it's like, oh, they really are kind of all talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. 
but it's, you know, again, it's through a different story. Um, and then from those stories, I think religions ask their participants to do different things, Mm -hmm. you know, like I had to go to church on Sundays and take a wafer in my mouth and, you know what I mean? Like right. that was, those were the protocols. The different uh, traditions. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think at their base, they, they really do have very similar messages. I regret that it's become sort of, and I think no one would deny that religion has been the source of some unfortunate things in history and, um, you know, just sort of a convoluted perspective that, you know, just this and not that it's mm-hmm. like, obviously, you know, people are not going to cheer for you. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> I did it for religion. It's like that you can't do that. You know, um, if, if it's, if, if, if your religion is, is really adding to uh, a foundation of, of being a, a good loving person, mm-hmm. you know, it just didn't work for me. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. And, it, and it, it actually drove me into the arms of, that was, you know. That was the same for me too, yeah. Alan Watts and you know, all those guys. It's like, huh, I, 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 I like contemplating this more. You know, you I, know? I even heard like um, the, the word God, for example, or the, the name of God, however, mm-hmm. whatever your tradition is. Um, I've heard a lot of these, you know, Buddhist and Eastern thinkers use mm-hmm. the word God when they're, the when they're describing um, all the time, you know, cause this, this one, Especially this yoga. one fundamental consciousness that we mm-hmm. are, that's at the foundation of everything. Um, you could, if you want to put the label God on that, that totally works there. It's the word that's used to describe something. But again, it's different because I grew up thinking God was a guy sitting in the clouds with a white beard. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a, I think that's a simplicity. <laughs> and that was confusing. I to like me. the way Sadhguru says it. He says, you know, you, you came into this world and you look at it. Oh my God, this amazing creation. Um, I didn't do this. Who did it? Was it my parents who did it? No, mm-hmm. even they couldn't do it. It must have been. So it wasn't me. It must have been some big man who did it. Some Someone who's like even more powerful. Yeah. And um, they kind of just put the name of God on this big man in the clouds. But I think, you know, I've, I've heard like Eckhart Tolle talk about uh, Jesus as like a potentially an enlightened figure mm-hmm. from the past. Yeah. Like who, Buddha. Rea- who realized like Buddha, exactly. Yeah. Who realized all the same stuff we're talking about. And, um, you know, Jesus said the the kingdom of heaven does not come with signs to, re- to be perceived mm-hmm. as in like, there's no, it's not somewhere out there. It's, it's within you. It's mm-hmm. within all of us. Yeah. And he was like, potentially pointing to this one consciousness, this higher self that's within all of us. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes me feel like, again, all the, all these different religions were all just kind of like different ways, different attempts. They, they sprung from people to getting to, to the same, it. yeah, to try to articulate the same truth. Right. Well, I read recently, it's like, if you, you know, came up to your family, if you lived in the United States and said, guys, I, I realized I'm God. Yeah. They'd be like, put them in a street jacket. Yeah. <laughs> if you went to India, it's like, guys, I realize I'm God. They'd be like, oh, welcome. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. made it. Congratulations. Like, it really depends on where you are mm-hmm. in the world because it's it's just, it's not universally accepted. Like, what God means in one place and what God means. Yep. And, um, like, I'm, I'm a big David Icke fan. And he he was like a sports guy. He, he played professional soccer. And then he got an injury. So he decided to be a broadcaster. And he had, like, this spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a kundalini. Like, this huge spiritual, like, expansion of consciousness. 
that he wasn't expecting, wasn't looking for, but it happened to him. And then he went on TV and he said he was God and the whole country was like, all right, he's lost his mind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what he was trying to say is that I've just come to the realization that everything is connected, that Mm -hmm. we are an expression of what you're all talking about. Like this, this illuminated, perfect Supreme being, like we're all that. Like yeah. every one of us. I've heard it said that Jesus said, I am God and you are as well. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> I think every religion, if you dig into it, you will find that they're all talking about unity consciousness. Yep. They're all talking about it, just using different vocabulary and different stories. And um, I think it's funny how it's you said there. in the West, if you're like, let's say in, in a Christian culture, yeah. if you say I am God, people are like, blasphemy. Yeah. But if you're over in India and you yeah. say, I am God, they're like, what took you so long to figure that out? Seriously. That's, <laughs> that's why, you know, where, where we grow up is, is such a huge influence on our perspective of reality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for, for anyone anywhere to think that they've got a lock on like anything, it's like, well, someone in Siberia is having a completely different experience of reality right now than Mm -hmm. we are. And so all this division, all this, like, you know, again, I have no problem if people have any allegiance or love for their religion, I'm just sort of like, well, anything that divides us, anything that puts you over here and me over here is moving us away from unity consciousness. And so As long as you're still willing to love everyone, (laughs) no Mm -hmm. matter what, do whatever you got to do. But I also really love that about yoga and meditation because I felt like this is something I can really sink my teeth into and make it embed it into who I am and how I live my life. But I'm not like, it's not a religion that I feel bound to or I have to show up at this certain time or I'm going to look bad, you know, it's frame. <laughs> um, we're getting to the end of this. And I definitely want to respect your time here. I wanted to read off something. I took some notes about something that Sadhguru had said in one of his talks. Okay. Um, someone had asked him if there's life after death. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love, he laughed, he chuckled like he always does. Uh-huh. And he says, um, is there life after death? And he goes, some things are best learned through experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but he says that like fundamentally, um, that's the wrong question. Uh, when, when people are asking if there's life after life after death, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're all going to die. We're all going to lose our bodies and our minds and so on. That's, mm-hmm. that's all going to go away, but we are not our minds. We are not our bodies. You know, that's mm-hmm. not who we are. Um, he says, when we ask this question, if there's life after death, what we're really asking is if there's something that continues on, you know, after that, that moment of death. So in other words, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what that something might be and what yeah. it is. So the real question that we should be asking is, who am I? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what, what am I at my most fundamental level? Like, that's what people are really trying to get to when they're, yeah. when they're wondering about questions like that. Yeah. So he says that, um, you know, who am I? And Alan Watts says this and stuff mm-hmm. is like the most important question that we can ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and it should be our main concern probably while we're alive. Um, would you, does that resonate with you? Is that? Yes. Because when my perception of who I am changed, it changed the way my life felt and it changed how I lived my life, you know, and I was very lucky to be asking those questions at an early age mm-hmm. and to be curious at an early age, because 
the way that I perceive myself, again, which is a, a field of energy that is aware of itself, that is part of a field that connects the entire universe together. That's why I love the luminous mind meditation, because it's like you are the stars and the stars are you. And so mm -hmm. it just kind of expands your idea of what you are. So, yeah, I think that's a very important question. But most of the people, if you ask them, who am I, they would give you a set of. Yep. They would tell you about their personality and their yeah. story and their, yeah, their habits and, yep. you know, things like that. And so. And that's what we want people to maybe transcend a yeah, little bit. Just, Find out just, that you're something deeper. Transcend it enough. Like I've always, I always told my kids, feet on the ground, head in the stars. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. we have to main, maintain both. Yep. You got to get up every day. You got to get dressed and brush your teeth and take care of yourself and contribute to the world in a positive way. But throughout the day, have a little bit of your head in the clouds. <laughs> in, and not that you're not paying attention, but that you are perceiving everything from that cosmic consciousness lens. It's yep. a set of goggles that I put on very young. And I'm grateful for that. Um, and I really feel like it served me well. And so now that I'm, you know, in my mid forties and these practices have been in my life and I haven't read an actual novel in forever. Cause I just dive into nonfiction mm -hmm. pretty much exclusively. Like I'm sort of insatiable. Like I just, there's never enough, right? I, but, but, <laughs> but I enjoy it. And it's, it's, again, it's accruing and it's building and it's just helping me shape a perspective that I think serves me very well when I walk into the grocery store and serves me very well in any situation, because mm -hmm. I think everything, our entire experience begins at perception. So who am I is, I think, the most important question. But I also think the answer is, like, you could meditate on it for a lifetime, but I feel like I've already got the answer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm infinite. I'm an expression of infinite consciousness. I'm a brief experience yep. in this field of, of interdependence and interconnectivity. And I can't imagine looking at the world through different goggles at this point or what it would feel like day to day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, to me, it's like, this is a blessing to look at everything from that perspective. And because I don't, again, childlike, don't take things as seriously. Like I don't get work. You know, I just try, I try to remember, you know, and that's what they, a lot of what they talk about in Buddhism and in yoga, it's, it's, it's just trying to remember mm -hmm. for some reason, most of us are put here or we come out in, we're in this world with like an amnesia. Mm like a forgetting yep, to a certain extent where we, where we came of what from, we actually are. We are. And then yep. immediately we go into programming and conditioning depending on where we are. And, you know, yep. and it's like, so you never really get an opportunity to explore that question. And I agree with them. That is what we should all be asking ourselves, <laughs> that, awesome. but with a light touch, sure. you know, like well, that's with a thing. smile on your face. Yeah. I, I'm just going to say, um, Buddhism also encourages compassion toward yourself in this oh, process because it's very nice. it's very easy to uh, to get very upset with yourself. God, why am I not enlightened yet? I've read all these books and I've done all this medicate meditation. My mind keeps taking me here and there and whatever. And we can get um, kind of upset with ourselves. And it's just you have to have compassion for yourself because there's going to be. I all love how they use the word friendliness, and I, I 
I did some, well, I did uh, some meditation teacher training and some yoga training with this woman named Cindy Lee. And that was just constantly pounded in friendliness, 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 friendliness towards self. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you can't be friendly to what's going on, you're, you're just blocking the process. And, and also the idea that enlightenment isn't, it's not something to be worked towards. It's not, it's not like you get a prize at the end of your practice that says no. you're enlightened. It's there. Mm-hmm. It's actually who it's we all are. It's our, it's our birthright that we're born enlightened. It just gets covered up with everything else. And then we, we forget and lose sight. And so I, I don't even believe that it's something like, okay, if I meditate enough, if I work enough, if I do all this stuff, I will experience enlightenment. I, I believe that it's 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 built in. Mm-hmm. It's just you You're know just deconstructing all the conditioning and yeah. It's like have you ever seen any artwork by Alex Gray? Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, I don't, you would love I don't it. Know. Check it out. But he basically he he paints what we're talking about. Like okay. he he had this um, installation for years called um, the Hall of Mirrors. And so there's one picture with just like a naked human with their skin on. Mm. And then the next picture, the skin's off and you see the muscles and the next one, it's the nervous system. And then all of a sudden it starts to get more ethereal and it's the chakra system. And then that floats away. And the last picture or painting in the hall of mirrors is just like, think about the, like the electromagnetic field of the earth. We've all seen pictures. Uh Like that's basically all you see. So he just paints Every sort of and he just sloughs off. He just keeps sloughing off until you are just a vibrating part of everything else. Yep. And I've always thought this this else. guy is the only artist that I've ever seen give us a visual huh. of what some of what we're talking about here that we're not just muscle and bones. Well, that's cool because I wanted to actually wrap up with if you have any um, <laughs> selfishly for me too, but any suggestions for are there books that you particularly like or are there teachers that you like to listen to on maybe podcasts or the internet or anything yeah i mean one of my favorites and she's an author and she i know she does i've like paid small amounts of money to do like a four-part online you know kind of like dharma talk thing and i know i pronounce her name wrong all the time so i'll spell it p-e-m-a i don't know if it's pema or pima (laughs) um and then it's at C-H-O-D-R-O-N. I don't know if it's Chodron or Chodron. Okay. Um, constantly butchering her name, but I she she's written a lot of really beautiful books that are not complicated with big Buddhist terms. Um, you know, she talks a lot about fear and overcoming, you know, like she she's amazing. She's okay. been around for decades. I think she's up in like Nova Scotia, but she was one of the first like uh, well-known female Buddhist nuns that kind of made a name for herself writing books and whatnot. So I love her. Um, a huge fan of Cindy Lee, who was a yoga teacher in New York City for decades, and she's now a Buddhist chaplain. Okay. And she's who I did my mindfulness meditation uh, teacher training through. And I could just listen to her talk all day. Um she was also a backup singer for um, Cindy Lauper, which is kind of cool. <laughs> okay. Um, and you know, I I was so into reading like every word that the Dalai Lama ever said. Like I went through a major Dalai Lama stage, and he has books that are much more user friendly mm-hmm. and sort of conversational yep. um, and, and anecdotal. And then he's written books that are like, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. can't 
I can't open them up, but if you can find, I mean, he just puts things in such simple, beautiful, but I'd say the person that I am most obsessed with making sure I don't go too long without listening to what they have to say is Alan Watts. Oh yeah. I, I mean, love he's, Alan Watts. he is just like, he will bring you back. If you start to feel like you're scattering out yep. and you're sort of spiraling and losing a grip to me, he is just beyond helpful and inspirational and kind of ringing your bell and bringing you back to like, okay, all right. I, I, I got agree this. completely. <laughs> yep. Yeah. When I'm trapped in my mind or just, you know, just in my regular egoic consciousness, mm-hmm. if I listen to an Alan Watts video at the end of the day, it really does bring me back to a deeper understanding of myself. And yeah, yeah. it gets me out of that headspace I don't want to be in. That's what I mean. It's like, it's like getting your bell rung. He just kind of like snaps me out and it's like, okay, all right. Like just room again. It's like, it's this like constant amnesia Mm -hmm. and that all, I I think a lot of these practices are just about coming back and remembering what you are and the power that you hold in your own organism. And we forget, you know, I might forget driving home, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's Mm -hmm. just like, okay, remember, remember, remember. And that's, the practice of meditation too. It's like, okay, I'm going to focus on the edge of my nostrils and just breathe. And then I start thinking and it's like, oh, I remember I'm supposed to be at my nose. And so it's just over and over and over. And so it's like, like doing the dishes. Yep. (laughs) There's going to be more dishes. So like, just, it's just that again. So you, you almost have to be willing to just kind of stick with reminding yourself who you are. And if yoga helps you do that, great. If fly fishing helps you do that, yep. whatever it is, I don't think you need to be in a certain position mm-hmm. doing a certain technique. I think at a certain point, present moment awareness, mm-hmm. looking at everything from a, a lens of interconnectedness, you can be anywhere doing anything. You know, if you're paying attention to present moment, that's yoga. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yoga is a state that's of being. It yeah. It's not like you have to stand on your head. It's a state of being where you are there. Your mind is there. Your body is there. Your heart is there. You could be doing anything. So that would be another thing going back to like, how do I meditate? What do I do? It's like, you can do a walking meditation. It can be, yeah, it can be in anything. You can go sit by a stream and just stare at a rock. Mm -hmm. Just be paying attention and be present with the reality. Sitting with what is, Yes. you know, and, and then if you realize that what is, is all beautiful and connected and miraculous, it's hard to get too bummed out for too long. <laughs> well, that's perfect. I'll give a couple recommendations myself. Um, if people want to learn a little bit more about this stuff, one easy video you could go to online. Um, if you just search Eckhart Tolle meditation, there's a YouTube channel called Wisdom 2.0 that put up a really nice half an hour long meditation that he does, which is a present moment meditation. Uh-huh. And it really it helps you see some of these things that we're talking about here and kind of reinforce a lot of what he's wonderful. He, he has a great way of articulating. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of my favorite books is uh, the magic of awareness, which is very easy to read, very conversational mm-hmm. by Anam Thubten is his mm-hmm. name. So it's spelled a N a M is his first name. And then T H U B T E M. I think <laughs> <laughs> But on Yep. So you can check those out if you want and another couple of resources. Any videos by Alan Watts, Sadhguru, Muji. There's a lot of teachers out there. But yeah. But at the end of the day, like you are your best teacher. Yep. Like you you are your best guide. Like I 
I question guruship. I question putting anybody on a pedestal. a pedestal because only you know what you're feeling. Only yeah. you know what is going on inside your mind. And so it's great to be inspired. It's great to hear people articulate and, mm -hmm. and, and give, you know, a visual, like you are the sky, everything else is like certain things can be extremely helpful, but at the end of the day, like, yeah, I think when it comes to gurus, like the word guru, um, means dispeller of darkness. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think if you're looking to a guru to give you, or if a guru so-called is trying to give you things to believe and telling you to believe things, that's that I don't think that path really works. That's not what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, hopefully what a guru should be is someone who just, um, helps you kind of shines a light so that you can like make better sense of these topics and these things yeah. help you stay curious. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's, you know, I'll, and that doesn't get in the way right. of your no one learning it's not journey. worship or idolize or put on a pedestal. No. And there's so much of that in the yoga world that I just, yeah, that's, I, that's going in the wrong direction. It's really going in the wrong direction. <laughs> it's like you, you are your best guide. You, yeah. no one knows, just like I said earlier, like you have the choice every second of every day to either feel at ease mm -hmm. in your body or to feel tense. And there's not a single other human being on this planet that can really do anything about that because you could even go to a restorative yoga class and all the conditions are there for you to relax everything. Mm -hmm. Unless you let go, you're not going to relax. So right. it has to be something you allow. And that's powerful to know that, you know, no one else can do that for yeah. you. Only you can drop your shoulders. So, well, there we go. Yeah. So Christy, I really appreciate this. It's been a super fun conversation. I, um, I, I love talking about this stuff and rarely do I get to talk with someone who's also interested in it and kind of understands the, the lingo a little bit. Anytime. Um, and as we've said before, we'd like to see more awareness of this kind of stuff in our, our culture and mm -hmm. in our world. So hopefully this conversation helped, uh, I don't know, make other people interested or. I, I like to think that, you know, I like to think of myself as a farmer, a gardener, like just planting seeds. Yeah, exactly. They may grow, they may not grow, but because it's up to other factors once the seed is planted, it needs to be watered and, yep. you know, intended to. So I just like to keep people curious, you know, just asking questions. I'm not saying I have any freaking answers. I just, I am obsessed with asking questions and seeing what my own insides have to say about those questions so stay well, curious <laughs> yeah thank you hopefully we've planted a little a few seeds yeah, here today I hope but, so. thank you um, so much where can people learn more about you christy um so i have a website rootdownwell.com um i have a blog on there i have my yoga class schedule on there and it's kind of it i'm not social media is not me <laughs> not my jam. I might be aging myself by saying that. I understand completely. I, I it's not really, my jam either. I, I just can't quite get there. I mean, I, I'm barely on Facebook, but um, you're doing perfectly fine without it, right? I feel like every day I'm still breathing yeah. and functioning and enjoying myself and smiling, and I don't have Instagram or Snapchat or. Well, there you go. There, I knew that. So rootdownwell.com is my website, and that's just where I send people because. <laughs> Perfect. You can find me from there. Well, there you go, guys. Um, thank you for tuning in. This was another episode of the Co-Movement Health Podcast. And thank you so much, Christy, thank for you. helping I us really with all that fun it. stuff. I love that. All right. Take care, guys. I want to take a moment and thank our show sponsors, Lombardi Chiropractic, 
Suttmeyer Law Firm, and Native Path Supplements. These are companies we personally use and trust. Mention the Co-Movement Gym Podcast when you call Lombardi Chiropractic or Suttmeyer Law Firm. And not only will they treat you like family, they will provide a nice, enticing discount to all listeners. And use code COMO15, that's C-O-M-O-15 at checkout when shopping at nativepath.com and receive 15% off all of your orders. Your support to our show sponsors assists in us paying for expenses and continuing to provide content we hope you all enjoy.